Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. serving on staff here. I'm really glad that I get to share with you my life verse this morning. Small disclaimer before I start is I am fully aware that my life verse is not a normally quoted life verse, but I like it, and it has come to mean a great deal to me over the years. This weekend I was thinking about it, and I realized that my life verse is a lot like me. It's straightforward, and it's full of life. I work in accounting all day, I work in QuickBooks all day, so I'm really analytical, but I never pass up the opportunity to run after butterflies. You can ask anyone who's ever gone on a walk with me. Uh, Today I'm going to be sharing from Proverbs 38 through 9. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. I'll be reading out of the NIV. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is God? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I like it. I remember the first time I came across this passage, there was nothing significant happening in my life. I was having an ordinary day, stopped to read my Bible, and this passage kind of popped off the page at me. And I remember thinking, like, What in the world did I just read? Why, why did this man just say this? This is weird. I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. The days that followed, I, the verse would keep coming to mind. And so I thought maybe there's some like deep hidden meaning in the Hebrew here. So I started looking up commentaries to see if they had anything special to say. And there's not much out there on this scripture started looking up YouTube videos of Jewish rabbis, hoping that they had some light to shine on it, and I I didn't get anything. And When I imagine this verse, I kind of think of Tevye from Fiddler on the Roof. There's like an old man, and he's sitting on a, a box of crates, and he begins to pray to God, asking him to give him his daily bread, and then he begins to muse over over the possibilities of his unanswered prayer. But unlike Tevya, this isn't a Jewish man. This is actually a Gentile man. The 30th chapter of Proverbs is a collection of his ponderings and his musings. And in the middle of that chapter, you find this passage. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. I think one of the reasons I like this passage is because it's very human. It's not a command. No one's telling me to live a particular way of life, but it's just a man praying a single prayer to his God. This prayer is such a good prayer that Jesus himself taught his disciples to pray these exact words when he taught his disciples in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Now, up until now, this prayer makes perfect sense. It's easy to repeat. It's kind of freeing, and it gives a little bit of, of joy or expectancy, but it's everything after this part of the passage that I just don't, I don't, like, it's hard. I want to shy from saying those words. Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is God? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Again, this part of the prayer is very human. It's just the ugly, unsightly part of our humanity. It's a glimpse at the wickedness that, that's within us. I think to some degree, this is, this is in all of us. Have you ever had a, a thought or a desire? It could be good, it could be bad, and on the inside, you're a mess because of it. You're trying to convince yourself not to think about it, you're trying to get over it, and then you're trying to get under it, and then you're trying to get around it, no matter what you do, it's just wreaking havoc on your insides. There's something wonderful that comes when you open your mouth and you vocalize those things to God. A pressure begins to come off of you, and you're, and you're able to find more clarity in your situation. And I think that's what this man's doing in this passage. Rather than believing that he can live by God's daily bread on his own, he takes the other struggles and the other desires within him and gives them to God. I can relate to this. In my life, I've gone back and forth between these two camps. And I don't think it was until I read this passage that I was able to even see it in my own life. You see, I, I grew up in a really broken home. My, there was, my mom was pretty abusive. There was violence. There was drugs. And at different times, my mom would leave me and my siblings alone to care for ourselves and there were many nights that I could remember my brothers and sisters coming home with food that they had taken from the neighbors or from the local grocery store. And I can remember during those times, like a list of if only, just these things that I believed that if they happened, that I could be content in life, that I would have what it is I wanted in life. And I think to some extent, we all have these in our life. I know for me, it looked like in my childhood, if only we had more money, we wouldn't have to steal. If only my mom had a car, she could get a job. If, if only we had a house, we wouldn't have to live in the shelter. When I was seven, I was put in foster care, and those if only changed. It became, if only I could be adopted, then I could have a family like everyone else. If only I could have the cool clothes, like all the cool kids, I wouldn't get made fun of. In my adult life, they shifted again, and it became, if only I could have a good job that pays well, then I won't have to live the way I grew up. If only I could get married, I wouldn't have to feel so alone. Or my most current one, if only I could have a big, fluffy dog, I would be so happy. <laughs> you see, the thing with living a life that isn't content is you're always left wanting. You're always left wishing for something that currently you don't have the opportunity to have. It's, 
it's this exact reason that our, our country is in the state that it's in. Everyone wants more or better. No one is content with what they have or who they're created to be. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. See, I don't think these words ever leave my lips. Who is God? I think it's more of about the posture of my heart before God. When things are going really well and I have money in the bank and I have the clothes that I want and I have healthy relationships, I can so easily spend less time with God. And in spending less time with God, I begin to acknowledge him less. And in acknowledging him less, I begin to thank him less. And in thanking him less, I begin to t- I tell people less about him. And life becomes about me. And in that way, I disown God and say, who is he? And nowadays, stealing doesn't look like going to the local grocery store and sticking a loaf of bread in my purse. It looks like trying to get through my struggles apart from God. It looks like when I want a little more money, I go and get a second job, or I don't like the house I'm living in, so I'm just going to go ahead and move. When I live in this way, supplying things according to my own abilities, I steal the opportunity from God to bless me. And it is his desire to bless me. I'm his daughter, and he's my father, and he lives to just come into our lives and show us that he's faithful. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. It's a scary prayer to pray. And it's even more scary when you don't know the person that you're talking to. See, I'm convinced that the only way that you can live a content life before God is when you know him and you believe his heart towards you. Over the past few weeks, as I prepared to share today, I did a lot of soul searching. I'm a pretty introspective person and I began to ask the Lord to show me where I wasn't living content in him, where I was doing things on my own accord. And after doing that, I began to ask God, like, is there a moment in my life where life changed, where I began to trust you, where I believe, like, good was in store for me? And I, this memory from about four years ago came back to mind. It was on Good Friday, and a group of my friends and I were watching The Passion of the Christ. And I had watched that movie before. I grew up in the church. I knew the crucifixion story. I knew that Jesus died for my sins, and I loved him for it. But something about that particular day, I, the cross became very personal to me. At some point in watching that movie, I began to see two different movies. I could see the movie that everyone was seeing with Jim Caviezel. And then I could see this movie about the story of my life, the stories I retold myself of the pain and the sorrow that I had lived through. And it gets to the point where Jesus is being mocked. They begin to punch him, and then they begin to to whip him. 
And as I'm watching that on the screen, I could see in my own life the people that had beat me, the people that had mocked me. And every time I would see it come to me, it's like it came off of me and it went to him as he got hit. And I began to cry and cry because I was beginning to feel loved. And the baggage and the burden that I had carried for so many years was beginning to be lifted off of me and I could feel joy. And then I was also crying because the man that I loved was literally taking my punishment upon him. The movie continued. It gets to the part where he's being crucified and he cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And as I watched that in the movie, I could just hear him in my mind and there was like all of these people that had abused me and he began to just say like, they didn't know. They didn't know that you were my daughter. They didn't know that I loved you. They didn't know that I died for you. They didn't know that I treasured you. And each time he said it, there was just such love and forgiveness in his heart towards each of those people that I could not help but just forgive them right along with him. The movie ended. Some of my friends went out of the room. and I could hear them laughing and joking and eating and I stayed in the room. I just kept praying. I was thanking God for what he had done. And I went and grabbed the communion elements and sat back down. And there was like this moment where I realized I was like at a fork in the road. On this side of me, I could see all my sorrow and all my shame and all of my guilt and all of my pain and all of my suffering. And on this side, I could see joy, and I could see blessing, and I could see a table set before me. And right before me was just a cup. And in that moment, I realized I didn't want suffering. I didn't want pain. I didn't want to be abused again. I wanted a good life, and I wanted what I thought was a good life. And I asked God the truest question I could ask him in that moment. God... Will I have more joy in my life than sorrow? And his answer came almost as if I hadn't asked the question. And with pure love, he just said, if it doesn't, would you still drink that cup? See, I don't think he asked me that because he's gearing me up for a life of suffering. I think the motive behind the question is regardless of what I faced in life, would I choose him? But I choose to commune with him and find contentment in that. And that day, my answer was yes. And I began to cry and cry and cry over the goodness that he had just showed me. I no longer felt the pain and the weight of my life. He showed me that he was faithful and good and would restore me and set me free. And before me, he had a table of, of blessing and goodness and friendship. And how could I not choose Jesus? See, I can look back to that day and see a moment in my life where my heart sw shifted towards God, where I began to believe that he was good. But I'm convinced that a life of contentment can't be lived based off of a one-time experience. It is exactly that. It is a life of daily saying yes to God.
Now, I don't want you to think that I've got this whole content life figured out. There are many days that I do, that I wake up and I align myself with God and I ask him to give me my daily bread and I look for him throughout the day to come and speak to me. But there are also plenty of days where where what he is trying to give me is is not jiving with me well. Where I'm thinking, "I, I don't know about this, God. I don't know if I like that, and I struggle and I wrestle to believe that what it is he's giving me is for my good, and that it is his goodness and his love towards me. You know, if you hear the word contentment, there are many images that can come to mind of what that looks like. I want to be clear of what it is I'm talking about here. Contentment is not complacency. It's not giving in to the status quo and just doing with what what everyone else around you is doing. It's not resignation where you give up and you stop pursuing the, the righteous desires that God's put inside of your heart. It's not apathy where you choose to stick your head in the ground and not care about the world around you. Contentment is an intentional choice to daily say yes to God to daily say yes to his heart for you. So why live a contented life? Number one, because you get more of him. Living a content life is not so much about a doing, it's about a knowing. And each time that you say yes to God, you get to know him a little bit more. And the more you know him, the easier it becomes to say yes to him. The book of John, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. And we are daily given the opportunity and the choice to say, God, you're what I need this day. You're my sufficiency. You're what I need to get through. And the second reason to live a content life is because he's worth it. When we live lives that are content before God, we are able to say yes to our Father and display him through our life, and watch him be glorified. It's worth it, saints. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you that you're a good dad. I thank you that you have goodness for us, Lord, and that it's not punishment to be content upon you. Lord, I ask for grace to say yes to you daily, moment by moment. I ask for an increase of the knowledge of who you are in our hearts. Would you convince us, Lord, that you're worth it? Amen. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time. There is a heavenly city that I'm compelled to find. Oh, I love the flowers and trees and the smell of the grinding sea and all the beautiful things here in life.